Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, church. Welcome here. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here. It is my joy, my honor, truly, to serve you today, to preach. Uh, me and my wife just love you. Me and Trina, we love serving here, working here. We love our pastors, Andy and Lisa. And so it's my honor to just get this opportunity to preach. We are in for, guys, a series through the book of Mark titled Jesus. Simply just Jesus. We thought after Easter, what a better moment to take the time to really just take this summer and really get into uh, a gospel, the gospels, and to see Jesus for all that he was in action, hard at work. I loved Andy's kickoff sermon last week. I don't know a better person, better pastor or preacher who kicks off series than Andy. He's so good at it. And so we just got this full glimpse of the book of Mark, uh, kind of who was Mark, how how tightly related it was to Peter, how this is really a, like a look from Peter. Mark and Peter were very close, um, how this could be even called Peter's gospel. Some scholars said that. And so I'm just really excited to get into this. And can I encourage you to gr- like grab your Bible, mark it up this summer. It's going to be every Sunday we're reading, looking at the next chapter and we're going to be looking at a different part and and person of who Jesus is. And so can I encourage you just to like really get in the text with us, read that this book and, and, and enjoy it and let it read back to you. Um, I'm gonna be again in Mark 2, uh, titled today is Jesus, the forgiver or our forgiver. And that's really the concept we're trying to tackle today. And so I'm excited to do that. Before we get into the text though, a little bit of context. Uh, Jesus is, is about to preach, which is really exciting because I think a lot of us assume Jesus's ministry was all about healing or just sitting with sinners. But in fact, Jesus came to preach. Make no mistake, like he came to preach. And so finally he gets this moment to do it. He's been on the scene a little bit now. I know it's only Mark 2, but he's been on the scene a little bit. He's been... Uh, He's already healed someone. He's been baptized. Like things are rolling. And now he gets this opportunity and the crowd is around. Like it is a packed house. Jesus is preaching fire. And and then this thing happens, this moment, this interruption, this, you know, inexplainable sermon illustration, if you will. And the way it's discussed, the way it's talked about is so beautiful and profound. And I really believe we're going to get something from it today. And so let's dig into the scripture. Mark 2, starting in verse 1. We'll read a little bit, talk a little bit, and we're going to enjoy it today. Are you ready for this? A resounding amen. I heard it through the screen. It was amazing. Perfect. Here we go. Mark 2, starting in verse 1. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. The house is referring probably to Peter's mom's house, most scholars would would say. Immediately, there's that word, and he said last week, we're going to see a lot of it. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, meaning even outside was full. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near to him, because of the large crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Now, if you've been around church, you probably know where this story is headed. You've probably heard this story a lot. Again, let me just paint this picture. Jesus, he's preaching. He's going at it. He's crushing it. The band's about to come. He's about to hit his third point. And, and literally out of nowhere, you hear like, like, like crumbling things. I'm imagining dust in his eye. You know, when you get dust in your eye and it feels like the world is coming to an end, it's the smallest thing, but it can really impact you. You're just like, 
You're making weird faces with your mouth because there's dust in your eye. Like all of this is taking place while Jesus is trying to preach. The band is coming up. Obviously I'm kidding, but you understand what I'm saying. There's this really important moment and then just man dropped on the ground. Sermon illustration for you, Jesus. (laughs) Go to work, do your thing. But then in verse five, something profound happens. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Okay, hold on a second. It says, Jesus saw whose faith? The man's faith? He saw the faith of the room? No, he looked up and saw the four men, the friends probably of this man who have brought this man down. This word saw is actually really important. Andy just did a little Devo with the staff recently. I'm gonna totally steal it because it was so good and it's important for you to know. The word saw for us just to look at, to see, is, is, is there's a lack of depth in our English language. But for the Greek word here, saw, there's a, a bunch of variations. There's the word blepo, which is this looked at, just visibly saw, physically saw with eyes. There's this Greek word theorio, which is to see and to, to think about, to theorize, to study, to begin to look at a little bit deeper. But there's this saw, this Greek word, eiden, eiden, which is to see and to understand, to truly look beyond just visibly seeing, but to see the deeper sense and fully understand it. See, Jesus saw their faith. He looked up and saw that four men knew if they could just get this man in front of Jesus, he was not climbing out of, out of the hole in the roof. He was walking out of the room. Can I get an amen, somebody? Like, like there's this piece here where they're saying, if we just get him to Jesus, well, it's a packed house. Well, well, let's knock really loud. Let's ask people to move. Well, no one's moving. Well, let's, I got an idea. Let's cut a hole in the roof and get him to Jesus. Like this isn't the main part of the, sto- the story, but I do have to, I do want to take a moment and hit it hard because if you're a Christian, recognize what the catalyst was that made Jesus stop. It was their faith. Your faith in Jesus, this is really important. Please hear me. Your faith in Jesus could be someone's miracle by Jesus. Your faith plays a part in the people around you. Your faith in Jesus could be someone's miracle by Jesus. Like think about it. When you step out in faith, in action, in obedience, this could be someone's life-changing experience, life-altering transformation because you stepped out in your faith. And I don't want us to miss that. Now, what's really fascinating here is not so much what Jesus does, but more what he says. Like he heals his sins, not his legs. And a lot of us can be like, well, well, of course. I mean, he just says that. Like that's Jesus. What's what he does? But he's really healing him too. No, he's not. Spoiler alert. At the end of the story, he heals his legs. Right now, that is not what has taken place. He looked at a man who was lame in front of him, in front of hundreds of people. And what does he do? Your sins are forgiven. Like this is a big deal. And I have to stop and think, why would he do it like that? Like why race through this story? Let's really unpack what he's trying to do. Because think about this. These, again, this is, a, this is faith from these guys. They're not pulling him back up. They're expecting him to walk out. There are hundreds of people gathered watching this. This would blow people's minds. Like if I'm... Jesus's PR guy. I'm like, yeah, hey, Jesus, I know you're preaching and it's great, but this right here is a good PR move. Really gonna help your likability. A lot of people are gonna see this miracle. A lot of the surrounding towns may really enjoy you. I'd heal him. Like that's, that's my thought process. But make no mistake, there's two things that we need to gather from why Jesus said what he said. The first is this, and please hear this. This is extremely important. Jesus was paving the way for what his ministry was truly about. 
Like Jesus was saying, listen, I know healing and I healed that leper last chapter. Like I know what you guys are thinking, but I'm here to forgive your sin. I'm here to preach the good news to show you that the kingdom has come. Like I, I'm here to forgive your sin and pay the debt that you never could. They had doctors back then. They did, they had medicine. They had different ways of, of dealing with things. Obviously nowhere near as advanced as we are today. And I think Jesus was beginning to show them then and try to show us right now that no matter how advanced we get in tech, in science, in mental health, in support, in church, whatever it may be, there is one thing that we have racked up, that we cannot erase, that we cannot fix on ourselves. And it is sin. And I want that to sink in for a second. Like why would Jesus say what he said if it was not truly what he came to sort out, to fix? That there is brokenness in us, but he has come to, like I've said before, make it beautiful. That yes, although we have sinned, God wants to show us and do something on the cross. He wants to show that although he did not know sin, he became sin. Like he literally wants to forgive you. This is the best part. This is the good news. This is the gospel that he loved you enough, that he loves you so much that Jesus wants to come as our forgiver. He's saying, listen, I'm gonna condemn sin. I'm gonna carry your sin. I'm gonna cancel your sin and I will crucify it and choose not to remember it. This is the forgiveness of God. And I think it's so important we understand that already in Mark 2, he's starting to pave the way for what his ministry is all about, which is the cross, which is still to come. The second thought I have for us, in, just in this little chunk here, is that what you want and what Jesus is after may actually be different. Which I know like, can actually be an extremely confronting statement if you let it sink in for a second. Like I think often we're like, hey, but Jesus, can you just take care of my legs? And he's like, there's something more important. And if you like, think about this for a second, what could be more important to a lame man than his legs, than walking again, than being able to properly get up, to fix his back, his spine, whatever is going on. What could possibly be more on his mind day after day, minute after minute, year after year, than the fact that he can't walk. And Jesus says, hey, hey pal, your sins are forgiven. And I think for us today, this is really important because often we'll pray, Lord, if you just, if you can give me that job, I can take care of our finances and then I can be a better support, a better dad, a better husband, and eventually a better Christian. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. You have those a little bit mixed up. I want to first work on your heart and the rest we'll take care of after. What's that? Matthew 6, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and the rest of it will be given to you, right? Like he's saying, come to me first, come to my Come to, come to this place. Let me, let me talk about, let's talk about your heart. Like let's do the heart work and we'll get to the rest after. Verse six, it says this. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man, that language is important. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, there's our word again, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? He's kind of like, listen, I know what you're saying to yourself. I know your self-talk. I know what's going on here. Like he stops them, he confronts them. And here's the thing. There's, this, there's an issue with the Pharisees or the teachers of the law or the scribes, depending on what Bible you're reading, what, what version it says. There is this religious pride that is so built up in them. And we often in church, especially nowadays, like to kind of hit after the Pharisees and all their woes and all the things they did wrong. And it's true, there was a lot there. But remember, this is like indoctrinated in them from a young age. Like this is, they have, 
the first five books of the Bible memorized. They follow all the Levitical law. Like they are spiritually at the highest point. If there's a spiritual hierarchy, they are number one. And so when they see somebody coming, doing things in the name of God and, and doing things they can't explain, it confronts their spiritual aptitude and their pride and they don't know what to do with it. So what do we usually do in these situations? We confront, we call out, we, 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 we play the like blame game, we call names, whatever it may be. And Jesus confronts their pride. He confronts their heart. And that's what it actually says. It says they were trying to reason in their, within themselves. They tried to reason in their heart. And he's saying, listen, again, what you just saw, I was after his heart and now I'm after yours. All of this is heart issues. All of this is soul work that needs to take place. And Jesus is trying to confront it. And I think he's trying to confront it in me as I prepped in us as a church. I remember this one time I was having a conversation with someone who I, I deeply care about, who's not a Christian. And, and it was fine. It was good. We we're just talking about faith and life and, and Christianity. And then it kind of got like turned for the worst. You know, those conversations you're having, maybe it's a family member or it's like at the Christmas dinner table or something. And you're talking about work or church or faith. And then it just, whoop, and somehow you get to a spot and you're like, where, how did we get here? And it was the voices were being raised. And I was trying to explain the importance of the gospel, how we need Jesus, how we need a savior, that there's sin in the world. And as soon as I said sin, it was like something just went off. Whoa, 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 me? I didn't eat the apple. I so distinctively remember that phrasing. I didn't eat the apple. I didn't do what Eve or Adam did. And, he, and the way it was being said was this like mocking, like what do I need a savior for? What do I need forgiveness for? It's not my, it's not my sin. It's nothing I've done. And I stood back and, and kind of, I almost laughed, but I, I held it in because I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't offended, but I just was honestly perplexed, awestruck, if you will, at the, at the pride, at the inability for, for him to see his own sin. And I'm not like, even as if you're not a Christian, I understand that word sin has so many different connotations, but for us just to take a real objective look and say, have I really never caused damage or hurt to anyone? Have I never caused damage or hurt to the world or to myself? If there is a God and he says, this is, a, this is kind of the best way to live out life. Have I always lived up to that? Not that it's all about that. I'm just saying like, can we really honestly say to one another? Yeah, no, I, I don't need forgiveness. Forgiveness from what? I'm good. <laughs> Great. Good. And I just think there is this massive pride issue so often in our hearts. And it was here and Jesus was confronting it. And I have to, I have to say that one of the most profound and powerful realizations you can ever have is that we are broken and need a forgiveness. I'm sorry, it's, it's again, when we're talking about a, a forgiver, Jesus, the forgiver, we have to point out what we're being forgiven from. And I just have to say like one of the most profound and powerful realizations I know I have ever had is that I am broken, that I am a sinner and I'm in need of a savior and I'm in need of forgiveness. I'm so thankful I have a pastor who will call out my, my pride issues. I'm so thankful I have a wife who loves me enough to say, I think, I think there might be a heart issue there, Lou. And I'm so thankful I know Jesus who he said, despite your failure, despite your sin. Listen, remember what, remember what I said earlier? He condemns the sin. He doesn't condemn you. And there's a huge difference there. 
He says, I see this sin and I condemn it. I'm going to cancel it. I'm going to carry it. I'm going to crucify it. And I choose to not remember it. Remember, he knows all things, but he chooses not to remember our sin. He sees us in a different light. He sees you as a son, as a daughter. When we accept that forgiveness, it is everything has changed. There's a transformation, a joy, a fullness, a light. Like there's no longer that weight that we carry. The burden is lifted because Jesus had taken care of it. And we have this wonderful Jesus who forgives us and loves us. And I need you to hear that good news today. I need you to hear it. So finally, after he heals the sin of the man and he confronts the tribe, the, the, excuse me, the teachers or the scribes, he then goes on to say this in verse nine, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. This line is so key. We're gonna come back to it in a second, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. The end of the story is really key. And I want you to hear it. I want you to know that. This phrasing has always puzzled me. Like the way he says this is always so funny to me. Like, is he honestly saying that one is just easier to say? Like there's less words in the sentence and as Jesus just doesn't want to say a lot. I get it. I can't stand repeating myself. I'm like, I totally get it, Jesus. You just didn't want to add more words. There's like two or three more words, but that's not what he's saying. Like there's something more here. There's something deeper. What's easier, he says. But the statement that he says back to the, to the teachers and to the scribes and to the Pharisees, the, the, they called him, what does this man think he's doing? And he says, this man, you mean the son of man. The son of man has the ability to forgive sins. I've just forgiven sins. And I need you to see what I am, what I'm coming as. Because this is not just saying the son of man. This is saying something so much more. Let me point, let me, let me. Andy actually referenced it last sermon. He actually referenced that it's, it's a calling to his prophetic office, which is such a beautiful way of saying it. The son of man will come up in all the gospels. In fact, it's the number one way that Jesus refers to himself. He actually says it multiple times in the book of Mark, like over 20 times in Luke, over 30 times in Matthew. I think it's over 12 times in the book of John. He constantly is referring to himself in this term. And what it is, is it's a reference to the Old Testament. About 600, 550 years before that in the book of Daniel, Daniel had a vision. He had a vision of heaven. And I wanna read it to you because this is really important. I wanna make sure you see this. This, was, this is what gives Jesus the authority, like Pastor Andy talked about last week, the authority to do the very thing he's describing, to forgive our sins, to be our forgiveness, to be our forgiver each and every single day we need him. This is what happens. It says, I saw in the night visions. This is Daniel 7, starting in verse 13. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came, on, there came one like like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days. That's a reference to God in the book of Daniel. He says it lots and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. 
His dominion is an everlasting one, which shall not pass away, and his kingdoms one that shall not be destroyed. Do you see the kingly gift here? Do you see the prophetic voice that Jesus is using? Listen, what was said 600 years before, I have now come. I am that son of man. What you're seeing here is very much the personification of everything that's been described. You know these verses. In fact, he's trying to show the people who would have been aware of this scripture in this text. He's saying, listen, you've heard of these things. I'm here, I'm now, I've come, and I am your forgiver. He's referencing his divinity, his ability, and his love for us, that he truly can forgive every sin, any sin. I think that's sometimes the the difficulty for us, is we really feel like, no, no, you don't know what I've done. No, you don't understand how heavy the weight is that I carry. He's saying, I can carry it. You just need to come and accept my forgiveness. It's just one humble approach to him. And then it's a lifelong, beautiful approach from God that says, I'm with you, I'm for you. This is who Jesus is. He and he alone can do this. Christians in the house who are watching, like, don't try and fix your own mess. I think this is often the case. We feel like, well, I have enough spiritual you know, propriety to be able to get through this. I'll just worship through this or I'll just, I won't talk about it. I'll just push it to the side. It's not a big deal. I know God has grace for me. But sometimes even as Christians, we need to come and we need to say, listen, God, I've made some mistakes and I'm looking to you just to cleanse my heart. And maybe for you, you've, you've kind of been around the last few weeks. Maybe you've been new or you came to Easter and something really spoke to you in Andy's sermon. And now you're back and you're listening for the last couple of weeks and you're getting more and more excited about this idea of who Jesus is. Let me tell you who he is. He's someone who loves you and he's someone who wants to forgive you. He's someone who can actually forgive you. And so right now, that prompting you're feeling in your heart to say, yeah, I do have sin and I wanna lay it down. I want that weight to be lifted. I want the gospel to come into my life. I want Jesus to be in my life. It's simply saying, Jesus, I'm sorry forgive me. I surrender to you. I look to you. I need you more than anything else. As simple as that. It's a simple prayer. You can close your eyes. You can pray it right now. And I'll pray with you in a moment. You can even click the button that's on our church program right now that says like, raise a hand. If you're saying, yeah, it's me. Lucas, you're talking to me. Or maybe you want to text life to the number that's popping up on the screen right now. There's a different ways to just help you take that step and receive the forgiveness and the love and the grace of Jesus because it's the best decision you could ever make. And maybe for you, you are a Christian and you've just been kind of doing your own thing. There's been mistakes made, whatever it may be. And you just need to come back and remember the goodness of God, that he, is a, he, he wants to bring forgiveness and breathe forgiveness into your life, into your home, into your heart. And you just want that refreshment or that recommitment. Then let's pray together, all of us, all groups, whether you're praying for the first time that you want Jesus' forgiveness or whether it's this this recommitment or it's just this establishment that's saying, Jesus, you're my forgiver. Nothing else can do it. It's you and you alone. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd come to every home, to every computer or, or phone, whoever's watching right now, God. I ask in Jesus' mighty name that forgiveness would be received and felt everywhere. God, those who are watching right now would truly know that it's only you that can do this work. God, we thank you that in that moment, you chose to forgive sin and not heal legs, that you actually waited and you gave us the thing that we needed, not just what we wanted. God, speak to us and give us what we need, not just what we want. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would sense 
your incredible ability to love people right now, that comfort would go into homes, that we'd feel that weight of sin lifting off of us because God, you have done a great work, that the gospel is real and true and you really do forgive us, you really do love us and you really are our forgiver. We love you, Jesus. Thank you so much that you do this work for us and we just need to accept it. We surrender ourselves to you, God. We love you. Thank you for the cross and thank you, Jesus, for the joy that comes in receiving and accepting you. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.